Hello, I'm Jay Goodwin, and you're listening to Pay It Forward. Today on Pay It Forward, we have Destiny Davis. Destiny is a creative marketing strategist and content creator based in New York City and Atlanta. She has global work experiences and uses her deep knowledge of content marketing, social media, and influencer marketing to create transformative campaigns for the world's most trusted brands across tech, beauty, and travel. Destiny, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. So where are you from and how does splitting your time between New York and Atlanta work? Yeah. So I was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. I usually just claim Atlanta because Atlanta's cooler. (laughs) But I moved to Atlanta when I was like 12. And um, I really, really love the culture of Atlanta. I think it's one of the coolest cities. But, you know, I've lived in New York for the last five years. And because of the pandemic, I'm starting to realize that I may want to spend more time in Atlanta. Um, So I'm thinking about what does it look like for me to be able to split time. Um, so still figuring that out, but you know, my LLC is based out of Georgia. Um, I have a lot of people that I'm connected to in Atlanta. So I think it just makes sense for those to be my two bases. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it makes sense. And I've, I've seen a lot of people, even people I don't really know, but just like <laughs> on Twitter talking about like this mass exodus from like out of San Francisco and all these places and people moving back oh, yeah. home with their parents because why pay all that rent? Yeah, well, I won't be moving back with my parents. That's just, <laughs> that's just, that's not, that's not my, that's not too girl for that. It's not an option yeah. for me. Um, I'm looking to buy property in Atlanta. So yeah. have a house in Atlanta, apartment in New York. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah. No, I've actually been like playing with the idea of like figuring out because so I rent the place I'm in now is a condo that I rent from like one of my old friends. His parents mm. owns this condo and I just rent from them. And so I'm, I've been like looking at houses and stuff in Atlanta. Um, so definitely we'll need to like talk to you about that later. I'm trying <laughs> to figure that out, too. Um, so can't move back in with the parents. But I want to ask this. What would you, what would your parents say you thought you wanted to be when you were growing up? Well, I can remember distinctly two or three things that I wanted to be, Um, an actress, a judge, and a psychiatrist. Mm. (laughs) Those, and I'm pretty sure at one point I wanted to be an astronaut, like what kid didn't want to be an astronaut and go to the moon. But I think those are like the three distinct things that I remember wanting to be. Um, But I think ultimately, I just wanted to be able to work with people and have an impact. Even at a young age, I just remember the yearning to just like want to have an impact on people's lives. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that marketing is definitely a place where you can do that. You can meet all Mm -hmm. kinds of people. You can really touch anybody, you know? Yeah. Um, so right now you are a marketing consultant and a content creator. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of what your day-to-day looks like doing that? Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff. Sometimes I sit back and look at all the things that I'm doing and I'm just like, how? Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how? Um, so from my 10 to 5, I work at an advertising agency and I do social media strategy And so that's really the bulk of my day. And then I would say my five to nine 
is working with entrepreneurs and small businesses to help them with their digital brand. So I have one client, um, she's an executive at Citibank, Mm -hmm. and she's really focused on empowering people to live up to their fullest potential. And her focus is on immigrant women. And Mm -hmm. so her main platform is for empowering immigrant women, especially those women in um, leadership opportunities or leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So I work with her on all her social media. So I essentially just manage her digital presence. Um, and that's what I do outside of my 10 to five. And then (laughs) another thing I do is I work with brands as an influencer Mm. slash content creator, because I feel like influencer is starting to become a dirty word in the streets. So (laughs) I try to say content creator more, more so. Um, but I do that. And then on top of that, I launched a new initiatives slash business called Hire Black Marketers. Mm -hmm. And I'm creating a directory of black marketers who are open to opportunities to speak, to consult, or for job opportunities. And that's something that I'm really, really focusing on, like really focusing on because Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get annoyed with the use of black culture in marketing. But there's a lack of black talent in the marketing industry. And I just think that that's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's a problem that I'm trying to solve. Yeah. So uh, now that you've laid all that out, I am also in awe of how much you have going on and how you're able to do all that. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a lot. And it is a lot. <laughs> so kudos to you for being able to sort of handle and juggle all that stuff. And um, okay, so I, I know that you have a lot that's sort of on your mind and that you wanted to talk about. So I want to throw it over to you and sort of just ask you, like, what's on your mind today? Because I know that, you know, when we talked earlier, you mentioned um, the Higher Black Marketers Initiative. You mentioned mm-hmm. the importance of speaking up, especially in marketing, mm-hmm. um, tangible ways of making your dreams come true, um, using social to track trends. So I just wanted to throw it over to you and, and sort of um, let you have the floor. Like, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah. Um, so what's fresh, fresh, fresh on my mind is Hire Black Marketers. Mm. I was literally up to like one, two in the morning, just searching for stock photography for our yes. social media assets and our decks and just all of our communications. And I kind of went down this, this, this black hole of trying to find this one particular picture that someone on my team found and he didn't know where it came from. And so I started searching for similar pictures, but while searching for similar pictures to either purchase or use, license out, I found that picture that he was that he used. And I felt like it was like a victory. I was like, oh my God, I found this one picture <laughs> of this guy. This, this beautiful black man that we put on the cover of our deck, but we didn't know if we had the license to use it. Mm-hmm. And we ended up finding it on one free stock like site. And then I was like, well, I guess the, the, the black stock world is so small. I was able to find this within like an hour or two. Yeah. Um, and then that got me to thinking, you know, that's kind of a problem. The lack of diversity in the stock image imagery, imagery to use in marketing collateral and promotions. And the fact that I was able to even find that picture kind of shows you that we're all kind of like picking from the same source. Mm. And so my concern is that if I'm using the same exact images 
because there aren't a really big pool of black people in stock imagery, then all of the people that are trying to target black people are going to be using these same images. And so that just got me to thinking about just how frustrated I am with the lack of diversity in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, it's like, I'm trying to build this brand and I'm trying to empower people of color, specifically black people to get more opportunities. And in, in, in that quest to do this, I'm having issues just promoting the brand and getting the right imagery for the brand. So I just thought it was really, really ironic. Um, And it just got me to thinking about how so many industries, marketing, the creative, just all these industries need a dramatic change because their, their staff, their employees, their teams aren't reflecting the actual culture and the actual people that are in this world. And one thing that I think is really, really powerful is that in the world, Black people, brown people, we're the global majority. And mm-hmm. so when you look at it that way, it gets you even more frustrated because you're like, when you look at the TV, when you even when you're traveling, and I do a lot of traveling, when you look at the TV, you see light-skinned faces, you see white faces, but we are the true global majority. So the marketing industry worldwide should have more faces that look like us. And I think that, you know, just that alone has just really gotten me to think and really try to push this initiative forward because it's so important. Um, But that's kind of like, yeah, that that was really heavy on my last night. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, I hear you. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And the fact that you're able to find that picture, I wrote down as you were talking, like a needle in a haystack, like you found it. (laughs) Like, yeah, it shouldn't be. Was it a big haystack? (laughs) Yeah, it shouldn't be like that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it is really frustrating. And um, I commend you and applaud you for creating this directory, because like, that's how we actually uh, found each other. I had, um, uh, I think I got an email from, I guess, somebody that works with you on it. I think Mm -hmm. his name is Robert. Yeah. And um, then I guess we connected and I was like, hey, I got this podcast. And you were like, yeah, that's how we know each other, dude. You signed up. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's amazing that you've been able to put this together. So I kind of want to ask, like, um, I know that sort of the impetus for it was maybe some of this frustration with representation and not seeing us, even though we are, you know, the, the industry really piggybacks off of black culture the global majority that kind of thing but how did you how did you land on making this directly directory specifically as what you wanted to do were there other like Mm -hmm. things you were kind of playing around with or was it just like oh this is the thing i'm gonna do and i'm gonna do it really well yeah so um just a little bit of background so i had just gotten word that um a friend of my little sister's was tragically murdered Mm. and it just so happens to be this woman who went viral um, because she was protesting at a Black Lives Matter event, got picked up by this guy, won't go into it, um, but she was brutally murdered. And I just remember feeling so sad about it. Mm -hmm. And my sister was just telling me more details. And like the more she told me, the more just like distraught and just like broken I felt. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was in a space where I just wanted to do something. Like I just felt like I had to do something something for us, something for the culture, something to uplift us, because we always just hear such tragic news about 
people that look like us and it affects us on a personal level because they look just like us. And for this particular tragedy, it got so, it went so viral. Like all the celebrities posting about her, every time I hopped on social media, someone was posting her picture. And usually when that, when something like that happens, it's not someone that you know, or someone close to you knows, but it just really hit me. I had to stay off social media because every time I saw her face, I was just like, just drowning in this sorrow. And I was just like, oh my God, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so I think I was just scrolling through social media um, one of those nights and I saw a post about Hire Black Creatives and I went to their page and I just thought it was such a great idea, but I don't really consider myself a creative. So I didn't want to put my name down in that directory because I was just like, hmm, I'm more between creative and strategy. So I consider myself a creative strategist. So that's kind of somewhere in the the middle. Mm -hmm. So I DM them and I was just like, hey, is there anything like this for marketers? And they're like, no. And I was like, well, can I create it? And they were like, go ahead. So I got their blessing to basically just kind of hijack their idea and make it about marketers. Mm. Um, but in a sense, it's just kind of like, it's just a directory, you know, it's just mm. an idea um, that can be applied to multiple industries. And I've seen several directories like this, but they're usually focused on creative talent specifically or advertising talent as a whole. Mm-hmm. And there aren't any directories that I saw that focus on black marketing talents specifically and intentionally and unapologetically. Yeah. So I created it because I couldn't find it. And even if it does exist out there, you know, there's room for more than one directory. Um, so I think that was kind of like the the catalyst and then the push for me to do it. And I literally, it was probably like midnight and I was like, I got to do it. So the next morning I created the domain, like I bought the domain names, Mm -hmm. created the website, started asking people to join it. And then fast forward to now, um, I have two people working on the brand for it, like the brand identity. It's looking really, really great. It was actually Robert who's working on the brand identity and like just down to like the colors that we'll use and the fonts. And now it's becoming like an actual factual brand. So yeah. I'm like really excited to like start pushing our assets and doing the promotions for it. Yeah. Um, that sounds, so I want to ask a little bit about like what the process was like of getting it up because you just mentioned like you had the idea late at night and you, you just had to act on it. You bought the domain, that kind of thing, which mm-hmm. honestly, sounds like really familiar to me because like when I was doing when I finally decided I was going to do this I just like one night it was like midnight and I was like oh crap I'm mm-hmm. like you just get that feeling where you you know you're not going to go to sleep and so you're like I might as well just get up and do it and I bought the domain started figuring out like okay what do I need on the site what's like the process and you basically become like you're you told me earlier you have like four jobs and <laughs> On top of this, you have to like project manage yourself, and like mm-hmm. if you bring people on, you have to get them up to speed. So, what was all? What were all some of the steps to to getting it up and running? Like, yeah. So I think for me, I I have I'm not one of those type of people that I have so many ideas that come to me mm-hmm. that I literally keep a book with me called the Book of Ideas, and I have ideas in that book that span from 
ideas for apps, ideas for event series, mm-hmm. ideas for podcasts, ideas for movies, like everything that you could think of. I've had an idea for it, but I know that I can't activate all of these ideas at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so what sleep. I do is I, yeah, I put them in this book and I go back to it later. Now, this idea was an idea that I knew I couldn't just bury my book of ideas. I had to do it immediately. Mm. And I knew that it wouldn't take too many steps. I had to think about what's, what's, the, what's the thing that we really need. What we really need is the website. What we really need are the people. What we really need, you know, is a social media page to raise more awareness. So I looked at the bare minimum of what I need to make this into a real thing for people to take it seriously. And I did that. And then coincidentally, around the time where I created this idea, um, I had three wonderful people enter my life um, and they agreed to intern with me. And so um, one intern, she she's going back to school soon. So I'm no longer working with her. But the other two interns are working heavily on hiring black marketers. Mm-hmm. And even the third intern, she still wants to be involved. She's just really busy now. She's an RA. She's going back to school. Like, I almost cried when we were, like, doing our, like, last meeting. Um, but I was just like, wow, like, I am so blessed. I have three talented college students helping me out. Yeah. And they're as eager as I am. So I think that's what is helping push us forward. We have over we have we have a list of over 600 people to reach out to mm. and they've just been helping me knock it out. You were on that list. Yes. Um so we we have been just reaching out to people, cold emailing people because I want this directory to be very intentional in that everyone who's on this directory opted in and I also made it a website because I didn't want it to be easy to download and spam people. So you know, unfortunately, the the spreadsheet that we got your name from, I just downloaded it and it was like, let's reach out to all these folks. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you got to. <laughs> but I was just like, I don't want higher black marketers to be that easy to access. So I made it into a website. So it's very intentional and in that people that opted in are on that website and very intentional where someone who's looking for the talent has to go on there, has to click the name, has to look through their um, LinkedIn and find you know, their email themselves. I don't even have emails on the website. I'm trying to figure out how I want it to be in the future. But right now, I think this is good. Um, but yeah, so I have those three talented people in the beginning helping me with it. Now it's just two. And they're so talented. Like, I just really can't get over how talented they were. I was trying to think like, was I this talented when I was a sophomore <laughs> and junior in, in college? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's just amazing to have such talented people working on something that you thought of in the middle of the night. And now it's like becoming an actual factual thing. Um, So that's kind of like how it happened. And I think um, there's like this popular saying that if you're, what is it? If you're proud of what you put out, you put it out too late. Like, oh no, if you're not embarrassed by what you put out, you put out too late. Anyways, you know what quote I'm talking about essentially out you know when I first put it out I was like this may look a little janky I don't know but people are joining it so whatever Mm -hmm. and now we have like a brand identity and Robert's gonna go in and start inputting the brand identity into the website so it'll look a lot more sleek it'll look really professional and I'm just really excited because it's happening yeah I mean there's there's nothing there's no point if nobody can react to it right like 
mm-hmm. it can be ugly, but as long as it is useful and impactful, you have a starting point. And that's yeah. really important. Um, so a cu- couple of things. I really love the uh, the book of ideas. I um I just have a running note on my phone with a bunch of random crap in it. Most of it's probably <laughs> and I probably go through it every couple of months. I love the book of ideas. I might have to start doing that. Um, <laughs> and I th- you mentioned the number like I think you said six hundred people. Mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. like six hundred is just like the lucky number, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I felt like there's uh what's that? They're called six hundred and rising. Um, mm-hmm. They sent the letter to all the advertising holding companies, and they're doing a bunch of stuff. Um, but I wanted to ask you something because you mentioned this earlier that there was the the higher black creatives and that mm-hmm. um, some of these initiatives felt more specifically advertising than maybe marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask, like, do you have a do you have a sense or, or a feeling of why that is? Because when you said it, I was like, huh, that is right. But I never really even thought of that because I mean, and this is I was somebody who. I think what I want to do is like strategy at like a traditional like creative agency. And mm-hmm. I did that as an intern and that's what made me be like, oh, this is what I want to do. I finally figured it out. But right now I work at a digital marketing agency. So it's it's different. Some of the same kinds of conversations, but it's just a different context sometimes. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask, do you, do you have a feeling or a sense of why there's sometimes more emphasis on these things as it relates to specifically advertising versus like marketing. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out like what the actual difference between, <laughs> yeah. you know, the two yeah. are, I think when I think of advertising, I think of everyone who's making the product attractive to put on the market and to create these cool campaigns around them. So it's everyone, it's the copywriter, it's the creative director, it's the strategist, it's the brand planner, it's everyone. But when you think of the marketing talent, it's just the marketers on the team. So it's just the strategists. It's just the brand planners. It's just the social media managers. It's just them, not the creative team, not the business management team, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's like, I think it's great that there's so many initiatives to push forward diversity in the advertising industry. But I think being very specific and intentional and making sure that the marketers that are on these teams are also diverse specifically, I think is needed. And with advertising, usually it's focused on the agency, but there are marketers on the brand side. There are marketers everywhere. Marketers are everywhere. So how can we create diversity within the marketing industry across all sectors that is nonprofit, for-profit, tech, like all of the sectors, how can we have diversity within that? And I think when you just focus on like advertising, you just hit those agencies. Mm -hmm. So I think for my directory, it's like, if you're a a marketer at a nonprofit, if you're a marketer in, you know, at UNICEF, like all of the marketing talent across all sectors are welcomed in my directory because I want to make sure that everyone is getting opportunity, not just the people that work at the cool agency, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. And now that you mentioned that maybe um, part of the underlying maybe assumption is that when people see Super Bowl camp ever, uh, spots or campaigns or whatever the case is, or just big campaigns in general, we think that typically those come from advertising agencies. So I think maybe the mm-hmm. thought is, 
if we diversify or put pressure on the places that make the campaigns that everybody sees, then we're somehow going to like have a trickle down effect where the room is diverse and therefore the biggest campaigns that everybody sees will be more diverse. And so maybe that's mm -hmm. part of it. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. And like, to be honest, you know, like the agency may create the campaign, but the client, the people on the brand side, the marketers on the brand side are the ones who's dictating what actually gets put out. They're the ultimate ones who are going to sign off on it. So in these advertising push for diversity, the marketers on the brand side, sometimes they get, they, they get left out because they aren't working on the agency side. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I kind of wanted to tie this into one of the other things that you brought up that you wanted to talk about, which was the importance of speaking up, especially in marketing. And so mm -hmm. I think that right now a lot's going on and a lot's being said about diversity and like representation in the industry. And that is absolutely needed. I love it. I want all of that. But you know, what happens when we diversify these rooms, we diversify these meeting rooms, we get more, uh, black people, more people of color, whatever you want to call them into these rooms. How do you make sure that they feel empowered enough to speak up and voice their opinions and, um, you know, represent themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is something that I'm actually working on at my agency. Um, but I think fostering an environment where people feel safe and respected is the best way to ensure that everyone feels as though they can speak out. Um, sometimes I think in the creative world, in the advertising world, people have their egos. And sometimes people don't feel comfortable speaking up because they think their idea is going to be hushed or they think their idea is going to sound stupid. And when you're on teams that kind of have this mentality of no question is stupid, no comment is stupid, it fosters a little bit more of an inclusive environment where people feel like they can speak up. And so I think that that's probably the best way. And at my agency, there's such a flat structure, which is a blessing and a curse mm. because you're able to speak up and you're able to have a, a say on things that aren't really within your, um, your, your, I guess, job. So for, for example, I'm a social media strategist, but if I want to help out on a TV spot that we have, then they'll let me help out on it. So it's like we have such a flat structure. People listen to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it a little bit more, it looks, makes it easier to have your voice heard because you know that people are going to listen to you, even though that's not your area of expertise. Um, but I know that that's not the case at a lot of agencies. It's kind of like if someone's higher than you, can't contradict them. If you're junior, you don't have a say in creative. Like, I just feel like all of these things I hear about in the industry, I know that it's restricting the creative and it's not allowing agencies to come up with the best ideas because the people that have these great ideas are feeling as though they can't speak up. Hmm. And I think that also applies to when you see something that is offensive in a campaign or offensive in a social media post that you guys, that your team is working on. And if you don't feel comfortable speaking up because you think people are going to say that you're sensitive or it's not that big of a deal, then you won't say anything. And then when that thing goes out and people are like, well, there are no black people in the room. 
yeah, there was a black person in that room. They just didn't feel comfortable speaking up, Mm. you know? So I think fostering an environment where people feel comfortable saying what's on their mind is really important. It's so, so important. And it may seem like a no brainer, but you know, it happens. It happens because I think a lot of people have their egos. They think, oh, when I reach a certain level, I'm the creative director. You know, someone under me can't tell me what I've approved is racist or sexist or is problematic. So it's like people need to get rid of their egos and be willing to listen to people that are younger than them or maybe not as experienced as them. Mm. Um, But that's kind of like how I feel that, you know, that issue can can be alleviated within the industry. Yeah. So if sort of fostering this culture where people are empowered to speak up, maybe there's a more flat structure, uh, more people are invited into the room regardless of title or, you know, experience, whatever the case is. So on the flip side, um, let's say that you have someone who is, uh, has great ideas, super talented, um, but they just don't feel like their ideas are good enough or what they have to say is valuable enough or, you know, maybe they're just like, I don't have anything to add to this conversation and people are not going to take me seriously. What, uh, what advice would you have to someone um, who wants to speak up? They're just, mm-hmm. they just maybe don't have the, the courage. Maybe they're a little introverted. What would you say to them um, about how to get over that and, and believe in yourself a little bit more maybe? Yeah. So one of my clients, she talks a lot about executive presence mm. and it's something that I never really thought about until this year when I started working with her. Um, and it's all about like speaking with confidence and showing up as your best professional self. Um, when you kind of command this executive presence and you, you exude it, people will want to listen to you. And when you are sure of what you have to say and you say it with confidence, people are going to listen to you. And if they're not, then you need to talk to HR, talk to your manager about that. Mm. Um, I think for me, I actually have the opposite. Um, On my team, people want to hear my perspective, but sometimes I'm a little bit like, like I don't really want to say too much because I think for me, it's like, I want to make sure that whatever I'm saying has value and I don't like just spitting things out unless I know that this is adding value to the room. And sometimes I see when you're in these meetings, especially these creative meetings, everyone is just like saying everything that's on their mind and just Mm -hmm. putting it out there and everyone's swirling and twirling. And I just wait for the swirling and twirling to be over. And I say what I have to say. And then they're like, Oh, okay. And so I think having a balance between just talking just to hear your own voice, because that happens a lot (laughs) and actually having something valuable to add to the conversation you have to find that balance because if people notice that you're just talking to hear your own voice, then they're going to stop listening to you. But if they know that when you speak, it's powerful, it's meaningful, and it's going to add value to the conversation and the campaign that you're working on, then they're going to listen. And so I think it's kind of twofold, having the confidence and exuding that exec- executive presence, but also kind of like finding that balance between always wanting to have something to say and making sure that you're saying something that's of value. Mm. Yeah. No, I think those are very, very uh, tangible ways to or overcome some of that stuff. And I still deal with that myself. I'm just like, sometimes I'm, I'm in my own head in a meeting. And I'm like, am I talking enough? And, but I'm, 
I'm generally somebody who just kind of likes to sit back and listen for a while first. So I don't know. It's just something I have to work on too. But okay. I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to flash back to when you were in school. Mm -hmm. So tell me about where you went to school, what you studied, and how you figured out that you wanted to do something in communications. Yeah. So I went to Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia, basically Atlanta. And I actually majored in public health and sociology. Hmm. So that was very different from what I'm doing now. Yeah. Um, and it's actually funny because now my college has a communications degree. So I went on this journey. Um, I thought I wanted to work in public health and like, you know, work on pandemics such as what's going on in the world right now. Yes. Um, so I worked at the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for a year and just wasn't really feeling the vibe there. It was very bureaucratic, very dry, very boring. And I think something in me was just like, mm, this is not where I want to be. So I moved to China for a year, did a Fulbright grant, taught English at a university, taught American culture, and just hung out in Asia for a year. And I met people from all walks of life, the digital nomads, the, the influencers, the photographers, the business people, entrepreneurs. You know, I just met people that were living lives that I didn't even know you could live. Yeah. I met a mother who's um, who lived in Bali and her husband was, you know, overseas working in the Middle East. So she just kind of was living her best life with her kids in Indonesia. <laughs> and just, I just didn't even know that it was possible for you to just live apart from your husband and be in the jungle somewhere, you know, living your best life. Like I just didn't think yeah. that those weren't normal things for me because I was taught that, you know, you get married to someone, you have kids, you have your house, you know, and you work and that, and that's it. So I just, my mind was just blown away by all these lifestyles that I was being um, just introduced to. And so I think for me, I just wanted to live a different life. And so when I came back to the States, I um, ended up working at a nonprofit and the nonprofit was focused on teaching students about the world. And so I think that for me was just like an introduction into a different career that I didn't even know was possible. And so then I started working on their communications and their marketing and just realized I wanted that to be my whole career. So yeah. that's kind of like how that happened. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could just walk me through some of the roles you've had, but you've already started doing that. So I wanted to, can we continue with that? Yeah. So after the nonprofit, what'd you do after that? So after the nonprofit, I started to freelance. Um, and let's see. So I've had so many jobs. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean you have I four started, right now. <laughs> yes. I I worked at an agency. This is like my, my first little agency job. I worked there doing social media listening for Stanley Black and Decker. Mm. Um and that was just literally going through their social media and just making sure people weren't saying crazy stuff about them. And if they were saying crazy stuff about them, you know, flagging it to the brand so they can address it. Um and so that was one job I had. And then I found a job doing social media marketing for this South Korean pet care 
cam that like watches your dog, feeds your dog. Like you can be, you know, eating brunch and then your dog is hungry. So you press the button and it shoots a little treat at the dog. And so okay. I, was doing their, I was doing their social media and it was crazy because the product wasn't even on market yet. It was like a Kickstarter campaign. Mm, okay. um, so I was marketing a product that didn't exist. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is crazy. If yeah. you, can market, you can market a product that doesn't exist. You can market anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing that. Um, and then I stumbled into this job that I'm in now, um, just going on LinkedIn and opening it up so people can contact me about jobs. I applied to over like 300 jobs at one point after I left the nonprofit. Mm. And it was crazy. Like I've been rejected from some of the top companies in the world. Um <laughs> And I think back and I'm like, I get it now because I really didn't have much experience in the industry that I was trying to break into, but I had to really prove myself and ended up in the industry regardless, making yeah. twice as much as I was making before. Yeah. Um, so I think me staying strong, you know, staying motivated, staying just, I don't know, just persevering, you know, I yeah. ended up in the job that I wanted. Um, and I realized a lot of the jobs that I was applying for and that list of 300 plus jobs wasn't the job that I actually wanted. I thought I wanted to be a social media manager. What I actually wanted to do was be a social media strategist. And that's the job that I ended up being in. And I'm so happy that I didn't get half those jobs that I applied for because <laughs> that actually was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So in your experience, is social media strategist more being able to sort of uh, do competitive research, come up with, do like positioning and, and platform mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's, it's a little more um, level setting than sort of like being every day in the tools and the weeds. Yes, exactly. I did not. And I think social media manager and community manager are like the two jobs that I was trying to get. And I realized those are the two jobs that I don't want yeah. because I do not want to be scheduling posts and like, talking to fans and that that was not what I wanted to do. And that's like an always on job. Like yeah. you, it's such a high risk job. You can, I remember one time I almost tweeted from like a company's page and it was about like some NFL protesting stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I almost had a heart attack, Yeah, but I didn't, it was, I thought I was logged in as them, but I was logged in as me. But like that one second of like thinking that you just tweeted out something that's very controversial on a brand page, like, Oh, my God. Yeah. Like that's too much stress. And I just <laughs> did not want to be mm -mm, involved yeah. in that. Even now, sometimes I'll upload things to like our clients um, YouTube pages and I'm just like making sure that everything is right. Cause this is going out into the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, I want it to be the one helping to strategize about what we put out there not actually putting it out there want it to be more of the strategist versus the person that's doing the tactical work yeah i mean that makes sense and i i think i'm the same way um because it's like there's enough pressure in general on just like you know writing an editorial calendar scheduling everything mm -hmm. it's a whole other thing when you're like oh crap am i locked in over here and it's just like <laughs> your heart drops and like, yes oh my god that feeling <laughs> oh Okay, yeah. so you've been freelancing for a while and, and building your own sorts of companies and initiatives for a while now. So I wanted to ask, um, uh, how did um, your freelancing 
day's start? Was it one of those mm -hmm. things where you had something down in your idea book and you're like, oh, this is the idea I'm going for it? Was it something that just kind of came to you? How yeah. did that start? I mean, to be honest, when people ask me like time management stuff and like process stuff, I am the worst person to ask that type of thing to. <laughs> My work style is literally like a chaotic a structured chaotic mess mm. like i'm trying to get my life together because i'm just like how do i function like this i'm the type of person that'll be doing three things at the same time and somehow they'll all get done but it'll just be like doing a bunch of stuff at the same time and i've been able to function like this a lot but i think for me it's just about finding out like figuring out what's the most important thing mm. and then doing that and then working towards the things that are a little bit more ambiguous. So even in my own life, my own track of things that I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of things that require a lot of attention. And I'm realizing that sometimes I won't give attention to something, it'll fall off. And I'm realizing that I have to prioritize things based on what needs to get done the soonest and what needs to get done, you know? Um, so I think for me, that's kind of how I function, but yeah, to be honest, I am not the best person to ask about like schedule and like how your day starts off. Like I'm lucky if I get breakfast in, <laughs> you know? Well, so. let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this way then. So I, and the reason I'm asking this is because <clears throat> I really admire people who can have a lot of things going on and, mm -hmm. um, have them be meaningful, you know, cause mm -hmm. there's just something about like I remember, and this is kind of random, but I remember when I first started at my agency, I started as a social media specialist mm -hmm. and I had like two weeks off before I started. And in that two weeks, I got my wisdom teeth out. And so I remember <laughs> I finally come to work. I'm still a little groggy. And I just remember like how mentally drained I was at the end of the day, just like just mm -hmm. trying to keep up with all the meetings and all the work I was going to do and like my own tasks. And when I had to get this thing in it, and I just remember looking around and seeing people who like were way higher up than me and they also had like kids and like five other things mm -hmm. going on. And it, like the, I'm really sort of admire people who have that mental capacity to juggle a lot mm -hmm. of things at once, but I'll, I'll pose it to you this way. So as far as your freelancing goes, I imagine that to, to be effective, you have to at least spend a little bit of time building relationships, um, whether that's personal or professional right so mm -hmm. how do how do you go about that process like how do you um, find clients or what is that like mm -hmm. yeah so for me I think I just built everything based on like the networks that I've been connected to so the client that I'm working with now came through a friend mm -hmm. um and that was like I literally did nothing to get that client um and we've been working together since like March. Um, so that was through a friend. The interns that I have now was through the same friend, actually. Um, she's amazing. Um, but I think for me, it's just been like opportunities kind of falling into my lap type of situation. Um, and so that's kind of like how I get my freelance clients. Um, for, I would say other things I've worked at, I've worked with like random people on helping them elevate their digital strategy and their their personal brands. So those people have found me through social media. 
So sometimes I'll just literally go and talk about the things I do and people will reach out to me and I'll be like, Hey, this is the price. This is, um, this is the time that we can meet. And then we, um, then we do it. And so I think for me, it's like, you can use platforms. So Upwork, for instance, you can use Upwork to find clients. Mm. So if someone wants to find clients and they don't have the networks, they can use something like Upwork to find clients. And then making sure that you have the right scheduling tools to make things happen for you, mm-hmm. like Calendly, oh, Calendly, God, God <laughs> Calendly, Calendly. Am I saying that right? Calendly. <laughs> I, I think so. I used to call it Calendly, and I was like, that's just <laughs> that thing. I had that thing for a minute, and that helped me kind of like streamline process when people wanted to you know, talk to me. And I'm just like, okay, we'll go there and schedule it. And I don't have to do all the scheduling back and forth. Um, and also Google, Google Drive, Google Sheets. Like I live by Google Sheets. I live by Google Drive. It makes things so much easier. So when you are working with people, everything has a process. But I think it's all about finding that pipeline of people to work with. You can do that through Upwork. You can do that through Fiverr. You can do that through going on LinkedIn and saying, hey, this is what I have to offer. Would love to work with people. And then finding the right process to onboard people, mm. to work with them, to meet up with them. Um, now things are virtual, so I do a lot of meetings virtually. Um, I actually have one right after, have a meeting right after this. Um, so I think it's really just about finding that pipeline and then finding the process that works. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I feel like um, Catalina has definitely been what has helped me the most because I I'm just not the type of personality to be like a project manager I know that mm-hmm. I'm okay with that I <laughs> just mm-hmm. uh, scheduling makes my head hurt so <laughs> yeah, yeah it's definitely um, anything you can do in your process that takes away some of that frustration I get it so okay I wanted to ask you um, we talked earlier about higher black marketers we talked about how to uh, get the courage to speak up from an individual point of view and also like from an organizational point of view so I wanted to ask you like what has been your experience sort of navigating your career um, as a black woman how, how has that mm-hmm. sort of made your career different than some other people maybe in your opinion or experience yeah so I think for me and I do not want to go into detail about all of the stuff that goes into being a person of color in this industry but I think I've always um, been in the position where I've been like heavily tokenized Mm. and I'm starting to realize that now. And there needs to be a study about this because I think when you are either good at your job or really good at your job and you're a person of color, you're like a unicorn. Mm. Like you're like a exceptional, you know, you're the, you're the talented 10. Yep. And so you get into these spaces where you have people that don't look like you who are just like in awe of how well you speak, of how smart you are. And you're just like, oh, wow, I'm, 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 I'm all that. (laughs) (laughs) I can do no wrong. (laughs) I can do no wrong. And then you start finding things wrong with your environment and you start pointing them out and then you become the troublemaker. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, you were, you were the perfect person. You're so smart. And now you're like causing trouble. And you can kind of see that friction happening, you know, and then you were just so great, but now you're 
being the troublemaker mm-hmm. um, and you're not being listened to and you're being spoken over in meetings. And so I think there is this really interesting phenomenon going on with a lot of people that are the exceptional tokens mm-hmm. in these spaces that are predominantly white. And once you move out of that token stage and you're just a person to them, then you're a person that isn't being taken seriously. Come on, let's, let's get real here. Yeah. And so I'm starting to see that, you know, on meetings, I'll say something and, you know, a person who doesn't look like me doesn't want to listen. But then the client says the same thing that I said, and now they have to change what was created because I said it first, but the client is the one that they want to listen to, of course. Mm. So you just kind of like start seeing little stuff happen and you're just like, hmm, maybe it was because I was a woman. Maybe it's because I was black. Maybe it's because I was a black woman. Or maybe that person just didn't want to listen, you know? And the fact that we have to even think that way is stressful. And it just adds strain to being in the workplace. Like, And I think for me, I try not to assume things, but it's just hard to assume when you experience these micro, macro aggressions. Because some of them aren't micro, they're macro. And so I think for me, I've been trying to move into a space where I'm not going to assume that that person didn't want to listen to me or that person is talking over me because I'm a black woman. I'm just going to assume that that's their own problem that they have to fix. Mm -hmm. And so I think once you start putting that onus on them versus you, then you start to feel a little bit more empowered to just continue working and forget the glass ceiling. Like there are so many days where I just want to just forget that there are hardships for us, you know? I just want to pretend like I live in a world where people are going to promote me, they're going to listen to me, and it has nothing to do with the color of my skin on why I'm not advancing or has nothing to do with the color of my skin or my gender as to why someone is speaking over me and not listening to me or giving me opportunities. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes, and sometimes I wonder if – if we make it more difficult because we have to go through it. And I've met some people who literally just will glaze over it and just get to the most important thing. Do your work, do a great job, ask to get promoted, ask to get the money that you deserve, keep on being great. And when you're not feeling appreciated somewhere, leave and go somewhere where you are appreciated and where you're compensated fairly and when you're listened to. And that's all that we can do. And then also work to foster environments where you are feeling welcomed. And so I think that's kind of like where I'm at now. I hear so many people complaining about how hard it is and how it's not fair and why it's supposed to be this, why it's supposed to be that. And yes, it is there, but are we gonna continue to just complain Can we complain and do something to make it a better environment? And can we hold these companies accountable for all the diversity, performative, you know, performative allyship that goes on and all the like donating money to causes, but you're not even promoting the people that are in your own company? Like, can we just hold companies accountable for actually doing what they say they're doing and pushing diversity forward? And so that's kind of like where I'm at now. I'm just like, okay, we can complain all we want, but like, wh- what? where's the action? What are we going to do about it? Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you as a follow-up, like, how do you cope with that? And I think I heard you say basically that 
it's kind of twofold. So don't assume the worst. And mm-hmm. in that you flip sort of the the responsibility for it onto that other person. It's it's not mm-hmm. your problem that you exist as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't feel bad or apologize for that. But I wanted to ask you, like, how long did it take you to get to that point? Um, it took a while. Like, I think I'm just now getting to that this year. Um, I remember one time I was in a meeting with this guy. He was probably literally almost twice my age. <laughs> Actually, maybe even more. I think the man was like, close to 70 years old um he was pretty he was he was he was he was an elder Mm -hmm. and he was a white man is a white man and he was hired to work on the social media analytics on my team and he didn't know what he was doing and I was trying to like tell him you know what to do but I am very, very young compared to him. So I knew he didn't want to listen to me or anything I had to say. And it was very clear. It was very apparent to the point where we were having this meeting and he started getting really aggressive with me. Uh And I was like, hey, let's go talk to my manager upstairs. (laughs) And then we talked to her. He was getting aggressive with her. And it was just really apparent. He didn't really want to listen to us. He didn't want to listen to a woman. And I was just like, I can't even say it was a black thing because he was fussing at her too. And she's not black, Mm. but we're both women. So I was like, I was really upset about the way he was acting. But then I realized that he, it was his problem. Like it was, it really, it was his problem. And I could have reported to the HR and made a big hoo-ha about it and say, I felt personally attacked, but I just actually thought it was quite funny that he's gone his whole career acting like this and no one has told him about himself. Maybe they have, but he's been able to act in this behavior. Mm. And then the reason why I knew that it wasn't really personal is because someone who was working under him, who was a white male, but very young compared to him, he was treating him some type of way. So I was like, oh, this is just a you problem. This is not a me problem. It's not a you don't like black people problem. It's not a you you don't like woman problem. This might be, you know, if you take out all the factors, you don't like listen to people that, who are younger than you or twice your age problem, but it's not a me problem. So I didn't even give it much energy. I, I knew that I wouldn't have to work with that person for too long. And he actually ended up getting fired anyways, but <laughs> I had to make sure I didn't internalize that. And later speaking to my manager, she said that during the meeting, he said, you people to us. Oh no. And I was just like, I, I think I was blocking out most of what he said. So I, don't, I didn't even hear the you people comment, but it was just kind of like us people, like you people, like who are you talking to? Like you're talking to a black woman and a white woman. So is it you people, you woman, you social people, you social media people? Like we didn't know what he meant by you people and we were so confused. But I was just like, you know what? That's his problem. That's a yeah. him problem. And I'm not going to give it much thought. I'm not going to HR about it. I'm not giving it any more, any of my energy because that's mm-hmm. a him problem. And eventually he's going to have to confront that he's problematic, you know? So I think after that situation, I think I grew a lot because I was just like, dang, I didn't even turn up on this man because I almost turned up. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Let's go upstairs. Let's talk to my manager. <laughs> my manager left the meeting like, what just happened? Because yeah. apparently he actually apologized to her, not me. He apologized to her and said that 
usually he keeps his composure and da da da. And I was just like, yeah, okay. yeah he kind of he, he was off his rocker, you know, he was really off his rocker talking to mm-hmm. us like this. So I think after that, I was just like, you know what, this is a learning opportunity to like not take things personal. And you know, if 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 you don't need to put energy into a situation that happens at work, you don't got to put energy into it. Hmm. That's a good quote. If you can you say that again, because I need to make sure I get that down. Yeah, it's just about like putting energy into things that are worth your time. You know, I think in the workplace, something will happen. Maybe it's a microaggression. Maybe it's a macroaggression. Some things deserve your energy and some things don't, especially in the workplace where you have to go to work and see these people every single day. Yes. We now see them on Zoom every single day. But <laughs> some things deserve attention and some things really don't. I think sometimes we have to figure out when something happens in the workplace, if you say something, if you go to HR about it, is it going to positively affect you? Is it going to positively affect that person who needs to learn? And is it going to help foster an environment where it's inclusive and the person knows not to do that again? And if the answer is yes, by all means, report the person to HR, get it fixed, whatever. But if, if the answer is no, if, if, if you know that it's going to be like a gaslighting situation where someone's just like, oh, maybe you're just being too sensitive then it's not worth your time. It's really not worth your time. If you plan on being there for a while, it's not worth your time. Yeah, I put, put time into things that are worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to ask, um, have you had mentors throughout your career? I know we just kind of left a, a string of <laughs> not so great interactions, but I wanted to ask, have you had mentors who have had your back, who have been your champion, who have pushed you? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, how did, how did that relationship come about? Yeah, so I... Oof. I kind of have mentors a little bit. I actually would really love to have like a a, a mentor who is really consistent. Mm. Um and I can I can really call my mentor, but I've had several people in my life who helped me achieve what I want to achieve, who listen to my goals and help me figure out how to get there. And then people within my current job who know what my goals are and help amplify me so I can get there. And so I think for me, it's about those career champions within your organization who know what your goals are professionally and personally Mm -hmm. and will help you achieve them. So I have one person at work and I admire her so much because she has always been invested in my growth and just genuinely invested in my growth. And so for her, if I tell her, hey, I want to do this outside of work, I'm working on this, she'll make sure that either she attends, like I spoke at LinkedIn one time, and this wasn't really related to my job, but she made it a point to come and take off of work to speak, to um, see me speak on the mm-hmm. panel that I was speaking on. And she didn't have to do that. Like, she really didn't have to do that. But she's invested in my growth and she wanted to be there to support me and essentially be an ally to me. And so that relationship is so important to me because I know that she has my best interests in mind and knowing that someone has your best interests in mind, whether they work at your organization, whether they're a family friend, whether they're your official mentor is always great because you know that you can come to that person and they'll give you the best advice because they're, giving you the best advice for your, for your growth. And so I think sometimes when you have people in your life and 
they're not, they may, you may see them as a mentor, you may see them as someone who's helping you out in your career, but you have to be careful of those people who don't really have your best interest in mind, or they, I don't know, I'm trying to like say this without saying it, but sometimes <laughs> you come into contact with people who are jealous or really don't want to see you grow, or they don't want to see you grow farther than them mm. and you have to really be careful of those types of people you know yeah. um and you have to be careful of those people who diminish you who who dim your light um you know i've 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 spoken to people about things that i want to achieve and they may have my best interest in mind but they themselves don't really think big so if i go to someone who i may see as a mentor or someone who has said they want to help me out I'll tell them something and they're like, mm, that's, that's really interesting. But like, are you sure you can do that? Like, are you sure that this is possible? Like, oh, there are already things like that out there. You have to be careful of people who say things like that, because that means that one, they may not have the faith in you, that faith. They may not believe that you are capable of doing this big thing that you want to do. And three, they may be projecting their own fear onto you. And so I think sometimes when we do have these mentors, we have these people that are championing us, we have to be very careful about people who may want to see us win, but aren't too supportive of our big picture dreams. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. So when it comes to having that work champion, that ally at work who really invests in your success and, and wants the best for you, what advice would you have to junior people? Uh, on how to find that person um, Mm -hmm. and and maybe what qualities to look for when they're trying to find that person to help guide them. Yeah. So I love the internet. (laughs) I've loved the internet since I was a child and I have always connected with people. And I think that using LinkedIn, especially in the time of the pandemic Mm. is important because we can't really network like we used to. We can't go to, you know, networking events or go to coffee shops and stuff like we used to. Still go there, but not like we used to. And so I think right now the best way to find people is to reach out to people on LinkedIn who are doing what you want to do and asking for informational interviews hmm. in a way where it's basically just saying, hey, you're doing great things in the industry. I aspire to do some of these things as well. I would love to talk with you about, you know, what your experience has been and any advice that you can give someone who's working towards this. I think that alone, if you reach out to people, you're going to get positive responses. You know, if you are genuinely just wanting to learn more about their career path, about how they got into where they've gotten, like you'll find people that are like, oh, that's cool that you want to learn more. I would love to keep in touch with you. Um, So I think that's one way to find those people in your life. And also, there is a whole list. There is a list of over a thousand people. I'll send you this list. There is a list of over a thousand people who want to be a resource mentor, since just an overall resource for opportunities for black and brown people. And this is basically a spreadsheet. We talk a lot about spreadsheets. This is a spreadsheet <laughs> of people across all industries who literally just want to see 
black and brown people win because of the systemic racism that has existed that has stopped us from getting opportunities and stopped mm -hmm. us from getting mentorships like the statistics are very clear black and brown people are not given the same mentorship opportunities and growth opportunities as white people especially in the workplace and this the spreadsheet that i have is over 1000 people who are trying to break that cycle yeah um so it's called um i actually think it's like called similar to your podcast pay it forward and it's just like a resource, a Google sheet of people. And I reached out to one person who works at Google and I had never heard of this person. They had never heard of me. I like emailed them cold, said, hey, I love to talk to you about your job at Google. And he was just like, sure thing. Let me know when you're free. Let him know when I was free. We spoke for about 30, 40 minutes. And at the end of the call, he was like, if you need anything, let me know. Anything that you need, just let me know. And I was like, bet, like, <laughs> that's great. And I was just like, how do you find someone who works at your dream job on a spreadsheet yeah. and then have a great conversation? And at the end of the conversation, that person is like, anything that you need, let me know. Like, amazing. Like, kudos to the internet. Kudos yes. to Google Kudos <laughs> to all of it, you know? Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's like, I'm, I'm gonna have to check out that list for sure. I'm gonna send it to you. Please do. Um, okay, cool. So I know that um, your focus is right now, at least is um, digital, but specifically like social media strategy. And uh, one thing that you mentioned that you're, you're passionate about on social is using it to track trends. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, like, what is your process? Or like, what are you looking for when you're trying to track trends and staying up to date on things? And how do you use that as an advantage in your work? Yeah, so it sounds a lot more analytical than it really is. <laughs> Basically, tracking trends is just social media listening, social listening, yeah. just going on these platforms and spending time on the platforms. When I first downloaded TikTok, I spent two hours on TikTok two hours on TikTok and that two hours literally gave me a good look at what's going on in the younger generation, mm -hmm. how they're using this platform, how people use the platform in general, and then continuing to go on the, on the app and just spending time on the discovery for you page. I'm having a look at all of the challenges and the things that are trickling over to other platforms. And so tracking trends, it's just listening. It's just finding those um, publishers that are at the, I would say at the forefront of culture. And so if it's like, you know, keeping up with what the shade room is posting, you know, mm. um, keeping up with what Refinery29 is posting, um, keeping up with the latest trends, TikTok dances and all of that, on TikTok. And then once you spend a lot of time on these platforms and you're tracking what is going on in the cultural world and also staying up to date on the latest social media platform updates. So I subscribe to later.com, social media today, eMarketer. Mm -hmm. So once you're keeping up with all of those newsletters, spending time on the platforms, you in a lot of a lot of us are already doing that. So we're already culturally savvy. But, but using that knowledge as insights for 
your creative briefs. So I didn't even realize how valuable the information I have was until we're in a meeting trying to figure out an idea for TikTok. And I was, it was very clear. I was like, are any of y'all on TikTok? <laughs> and a lot of them weren't. And I was like, wait, so we have a whole team of people working on this TikTok idea and y'all not on TikTok? Okay. Let me, let, let, let me educate y'all on what, what's going on on the TikTok. <laughs> so just the fact that I've spent so many hours on TikTok and have created videos on TikTok was already so valuable because a lot of the people on our team, they're not really using TikTok. They're not on TikTok. So mm -hmm. it's like, how can you create an idea for TikTok when you're not on the TikTok, you know? Yeah. So just that simple thing right there was just very it was very valuable for the team because I'm the one that's like social media obsessed spending time on the platforms tracking the trends just listening to the trends and I just have that knowledge in the back of my head and I didn't realize how valuable it was till I was in a room and I was just like hey let's do it like this this is, this is how we should do it. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so speaking of TikTok, how do you feel about this impending uh, presidential ban on the platform? Oh, my God. Um, the thing about banning platforms, social media platforms, is even if they ban it, we can still use it. Mm. Now, I'm not supposed to say stuff like that. But, you know, China banned Instagram and Facebook, but people still use it. You, you got to get a VPN. I think that um, if he bans it, like, we're, we're, we're going to still be able to use it. Come on now. But I think it will be um, really interesting to see how the younger generation responds because some of them are voting age now. So you are essentially like yeah. making a lot of people that could have voted for you upset. <laughs> so if anything, I'm just wondering what the political backlash will be, you know? Um, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Like, at the end of the day, it's just another platform. And that's why I've tried to expand my expertise past social media because these social media platforms are so fickle. Mm -hmm. So I've been wondering, you know, how can I continue to brand myself and root myself in creative strategy that spans across social media, that stands, um, spans across um, just digital marketing in general, content marketing in general, you know, I do a little bit of email marketing for my clients. I'm doing a little bit of email marketing for myself soon. So just learning other platforms, learning other modes of medium, just learning other medium to be, I don't know, I would say like to be dangerous in this industry. Like mm -hmm. if social media disappears tomorrow and I'm calling myself a social media strategist, what am I going to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but if I'm learning all of these other forms of media then okay social media is gone tomorrow let's let's focus on email let's focus on search let's focus on seo like i think as a digital marketer you really have to um diversify your skill set because a lot of these digital medias are very fickle you know our client is banning um is um, boycotting boycotting facebook and instagram right now if I would have just specialized in Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing, literally could have just been dismissed from the team because they're no longer um, they're no longer um, running ads on those platforms. So it's like, okay, well, TikTok is, in, you know, is it may be bad. So if I was to like focus on that platform, that's gone tomorrow. And then what do you have left? You have like 
Pinterest and Snapchat and Twitter. So it's just like, okay, but what if, what is the gap to those platforms tomorrow? You know, they're all relatively new. So I think being well-versed in all digital marketing is what I've been trying to focus on because you just never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I want to go ahead and ask you these last handful of questions, which I just call the advice questions. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's something that you are reading, watching, um, information you're taking in right now? Yeah, so I mentioned Later.com before. I love Later.com. It's one of the best, I would say, social media blogs where you can learn about different platforms, learn about different features, um, learn how to use the features. There's that. Um, social media today is great for learning about what's going on in the industry. Um, and also, there's like the social media marketing podcast that I listen to every once in a while. So I think those are really good for keeping track of what's going on. Um, but in general, like I said before, I think it's just really good to just stay just in the know about what's going on. And that's what I've been trying to do. Um, taking courses, general assembly, like YouTube, such a learning resource. If you want to learn about what's going on, just keeping your eyes open and finding ways to learn. One thing that I've been doing recently is um, I set a meeting with a media planner at my agency. And she literally just, we just got on the, we got on the, on the call and she took me through, her day-to-day, -day, she took me through some things that she thinks that I should know. And it was really focused on like other marketing platforms like Hulu and Pandora and Spotify and mm. Nextdoor, like things that I do not see in my day-to-day -day because I just do social media strategy. And it was just kind of like my, my world just expanding. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. And she was just talking to me. And she was just like, I don't know if anything's making sense. Just let me know. And I was just like, I feel like a sponge that was just dipped in water. Like I'm just soaking up this knowledge. And so I would say, if you're at an agency, just ping people and say, hey, just tell me about what you're working on. Tell me about this, that, and the third. Like just tell me some information that will help me do my job better. Because as a social media marketer, I need to know about other modes of marketing because all of our marketing is working together and it's showing up in the world. So what we're doing on social media needs to mirror what we're doing in search, needs to mirror what we're doing in email marketing. So we all got to talk to each other. And if I don't understand the other side, then that's a problem. So I think for me, it's about reaching out to people that are adjacent to what you're doing and learning how they do their job. Mm. Yes. Um, what is something that's been a challenge for you lately? Um, challenge. I think that I am not, I'm not pushing myself as much as I can creatively. And I think a lot of the things that I'm doing right now, I could be doing better. And so thinking outside of the box has been a challenge for me. And I've been pushing myself to think outside of the box. And it's been so great having my interns. I cannot stress this enough. If you can 
get you a team, get you a team of people that are brilliant and smart and can help push your ideas forward. Um, Robert and Alicia and Kanae, my interns, have really helped me by doing the work that I don't have time to do one, but doing the work that needs to get done so I can think of the bigger picture. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the bigger picture and I have them do the tactical stuff that makes the big picture happen. And so being able to have brilliant minds help you on things that you're working on allows you to just literally just make space in your brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to think about the bigger picture. And like they have been so great at helping me. And I'm thinking of ways to make what we're doing even bigger. So with Higher Black Marketers, I'm able to have this space where I don't have to get in the nitty gritty and I can actually think about the big picture vision to take this to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so I think the challenge, the way I've been overcoming it is by having people help me, help me. So I have that space in my brain to just think bigger and take everything I'm doing to the next level. Yeah. Well, this may or may not be related, but what's something that you're really proud of? Um, let's see. So I, I, I've been looking back at like my growth and who I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And I'm just really, really proud of how far I've come. Um, and really proud that I have the platform and the means to just help other people, um, reach their highest potential as well. And I've been working a lot on how I can help the creative company, the creative community thrive. I really want to see the creative people that are so talented at what they do thrive. And so I am first really proud of how far I've come, but I'm proud that I'm able to help other people reach their highest potential as well. Yeah. Okay. Last question. <laughs> what is your advice for black students who are listening to your episode who are, you know, graduated, they're looking at this crazy pandemic job market? Uh, what's your piece of advice to them for just life in general, work, whatever the case may be? Yeah, so I would just say take advantage. Like the pandemic is happening, but the 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 Black Lives Matter is always is also happening. So there are going to be so many programs that come out of all of this to help people of color thrive. And I see it as reparations, you know, mm. um, I've seen firsthand, you know, how people of color can have the same talent, same ideas as white people and be overlooked or hushed or told to be quiet, you know? And so I think, now is the best now is the best time to raise your voice and not have anyone anyone stop you from getting opportunities that you deserve and also taking advantage of all the diversity programs that are going to pop out out of this mm -hmm. you know all of the companies opening up the pipelines to get jobs like now is a great time to raise your voice and demand that you get the opportunities that you deserve and so like I said, there's a spreadsheet of people that are wanting to, you know, break that cycle of systemic racism that has traditionally stopped people that look like us from getting opportunities. And so taking advantage of this time and taking advantage of the open digital portal of people 
okay with you reaching out to them digitally, just reaching out to people and starting to create those opportunities for yourself. I think it's the best time to do that. Hmm. Well, speaking of reaching out, where can people find you online? Yeah. So you can find me at Afro Eclectic on the gram. Um, hello at afroeclectic.com and um, on LinkedIn, Destiny Davis, Destiny Yemaya Davis on LinkedIn. And where can people find out more about Hire Black Marketers? Hireblackmarketers.co and also um, following Hire Black Marketers on Instagram would be great. Get our followers up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. This has been amazing. Thank you. That's a wrap for this episode of Pay It Forward. Thank you again, Destiny, for joining me. If you want to learn more about Hire Black Marketers, check them out on social at Hire Black Marketers and visit the site hireblackmarketers.co to add your name to the directory. Have a great day. And to anyone listening, please rate, review, like, subscribe, whatever you do your podcast, wherever you listen to them. You can find out more about the podcast in general at Pay It For a Podcast on social channels. Uh, mostly I'm posting these on Instagram. And the forward is FWD. Check us out online if you want to learn more about the podcast in general. My vision for this thing, it's payitforwardpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening. Peace.